Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today we are talking about raising the bridge. In studio with me is Andrew Morris. He is your executive director and CEO. Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be here today. Thank you very much for joining me. I, I got this interview from a coworker. Actually, I was notified about what you guys are doing out in Mesquite. That's okay. where you guys are located. Yes, but sir. other than what I've seen on the website, which is raisingthebridge.org, I don't know a lot about who you guys are or what you do, and that's always how I start off the show, the basics. What is Raising the Bridge? Who are you guys? Uh, raising the Bridge, um, our, vision, our mission is to empower teens to reach their greatest potential by providing life skills, mentoring, and community involvement programs. Um, raising the Bridge started when I was living in the shelter, um, in my young adult life, actually when I was in my 30s, so me and my son live in a shelter, a domestic violence shelter. Um, they invited me in, and I was the only male. So it was like a domestic violence shelter, but I was homeless. And so they invited me in, and they accepted me. And, I mean, pretty much that's how Raising Bridge got started. Um, I had a pretty, pretty rough life growing up as a child. My mother wasn't there. My father was homeless. Uh, the state took me from my mother when I was 16 months. I was burned 25% of my body. Um it was, it's been rough, so ever since then, um, I was adopted by an older couple, and the other couple took me in at 16 months, and my adopted father died, and after that, I mean, my life, like, really went downhill because I really had one to support me or to have my back. So I lost my best friend, I lost my father, I lost my mentor, I lost everything. So, uh, he, of course, he was he was married, but me and her didn't get along as, as well at all. You know, uh, I spent 99.9% of the time with him when he was living, and I didn't know her. So after he passed, it was just very hard for us to get along with each other. And pretty much my life was hard after that. And I just had no, I didn't have anyone to invest in me. And so um, those experiences that I went through, and that's how pretty much Raising Bridge, how Raising Bridge got started, my, my rough times in life. The amazing thing about doing this show is you, you never know what a person's story is until you actually get to start talking to them. There is absolutely no way I would have looked at you when you showed up and thought that you had been through anything like what you have <laughs> just described yeah it, it, it's unbelievable yeah. so you said that you found yourself in your 30s in a domestic abuse shelter with your son yes sir yes sir now you're in you're in a shelter you're worrying about yourself you're worrying about your son you're trying to figure your future out when did the idea of helping other people fit in there because i don't see a lot of time to worry about anything else other than the things i've just described yeah, I knew I was special, you know. I knew I was special at the shelter I was living in. They required you to go to, like, uh, budgeting classes, um, parenthood classes, um, to get a, a counseling from a, a psychiatrist. Um, you know, those classes and those um, programs were mandatory. At the time, my son, like I said, my son was living with me, and there was a youth center behind us, and I used to take him to the youth center all the time. And, I mean, up to this point, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea. I had no goals. I had no purpose. Like you said, I was just trying to survive. And so I didn't had no clue. But one day, my caseworker asked me, like, Andrew, what do you want to do? 
you know, and that's something that that's something that asks everyone that comes into the shelter and they want to know, like, how can I help you be better? How can I help you to, to get out of here? And it was a two year program. Um, but at that point, at that moment, I had to think, like, what do I want to do? You know, had you ever really thought about that? Had anybody ever asked you that question? No, not at all. No one ever asked me that. No one ever uh, pushed college on me. No one ever talked to me about goals or what's your purpose or your dreams. Like I said before, after my grandfather died, my adoptive father died. It was like I didn't have no one to talk to me. I had no one to support me. I had I had no one to ask me to ask those questions. How old were you when that happened? Ten years old. He died when I was ten years old. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost hard to keep up with. Okay, yeah. all right. So, you you finally have somebody asking the right questions right. of you. How old was your son at this point? My son, he was maybe like he was in third grade at the time, so he was like eight years old. When this caseworker caseworker asked you what you wanted to do, did you have an answer, or did it take you a long? It time took me to a while. T- it took me a while. It took me a while. I didn't. It didn't hit me till like maybe I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe two weeks or three weeks. No. Um, and what was the answer? Was it starting a nonprofit? No, it wasn't that. You know, I, I was. I was very honest. Like I didn't know. You yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. I had no clue because my my thing was I was trying to su- survive. I was trying to provide for my son. You know, so. I'd have no idea what I wanted to do. Like, goals, what's that? Purpose, what is that? You know? I but I know I was special. I knew I was. So I can remember when I was, like, 16, I started my first food drive at a church, local church. But And that was it, you know? But I didn't know why I was doing it. I was just doing it just because. But, yeah, I didn't. I just didn't know. What did you do? We, we are, I promise, going to talk more about Raising the Bridge. But okay. your story here is important, and it's going to really help frame what this organization is all about and why you're a good candidate mm-hmm. to help kids that are in need. Right. What was it that got you out of that shelter and on two feet? I'm kind of, like, real, really still in my story. You know, um, Raising the Bridge is not where I wanted to be at yet, but we have grown. But coming across a good support from my wife you know i met my wife maybe a year later after i was in a shelter it was it was it was hard and i didn't want to get married you know i didn't want to get married and she's just popped up out of nowhere uh she came in the right time because my doctor mother she died maybe um uh two months before uh, and then she popped up out of nowhere it there was a shift you know i just felt something different i felt something different i maybe i was like maybe 31 years old 32 years old when she popped in my life and that what really changed it it changed uh, while I was while I was in a shelter, I had to deal with my wife, my wife, but my um, that the mother she was dying, and so I had to take care of her too while she was dying, you know, and I had to deal with that too as when I was living in the shelter and and take care of my son. So I had a lot of, on my plate, a lot on my plate. But once my wife came, in my life it my life my life started looking brighter. When you have that much responsibility and you're trying to figure out your life and the lives of others, what is it that you focused on to help you get? all of that done to accomplish your goals and mm-hmm. to end up where you're at right now. Even though you said you're still on your journey, right. I think for anybody listening, you can hear in your voice that you've accomplished a lot mm-hmm. and you might not be done with your journey, right. but you're certainly far enough down the road where you can feel good about yourself right. and what you've accomplished. What was it that got you motivated to, to get all of this going? I love sports. I love sports. My son, he loves sports. So he's playing football at the time, you know, and he's playing in a league in Irving, um, so the coach asked me, like, can you help me out, you know? So at the time, I was already teaching my son, like, drills, you know, going over with j- drills and footwork with him. I'm like, okay, okay. So I, I, I coached one game, like, okay, I like this, I like this, you know? And, like, maybe I, I can do something with this. So uh, as we said earlier, that when the caseworker asked me, what do you want to do? I mean, th- certain things start lining up, you know? So 
I use football as a as a, a a way out, you know. So I decided to uh, create something that I won't quit, you know. So I created this football camp to do it like every Saturday for like three months, you know, because growing up like I did, it was real hard to not quit, you know, because I was so used to people quitting on me, you know, uh, letting me down. My my adopted father died, so I was used to that, that quitting, quit, quit, quit uh, behavior, and so so I decided to do a football camp, do it three three months. I'm gonna do it every single Saturday. And so I, I did that, and I did it every single Saturday. Then that's when stuff started coming in place. Like okay, and stuff started looking a little bit better because like, okay, now I know I like to, I love to do. I love to work with kids, and that's what the kid thing come about. That consistency. Did you think that you could complete that? No, Make, I didn't. No, no, no. You didn't really. You didn't deep down inside. You didn't think that you're going to be able to do this. Right. I did not at all. Not at all. When you did complete it, what did that feel like? Oh, it was great. And the first day of my football camp, I had 55 boys showed up the first day. And the crazy thing about it is uh, I was living in Irving, but I did my camp in Dallas. So I was driving from Irving to Dallas every single day to pass out flyers. And I was very surprised when 55 boys showed up. It's a good amount. Yeah, yeah. That's really a good, good size camp. Yeah. It was, it was real nice. And I also had some uh, maybe like seven volunteer guys to help me out coaching. So I had different stations uh, going uh, going around. Let's do I mean, we just did some things, to, uh, got stuff together, you know, but that's how I pretty much got started. But I felt awesome. It was like an awesome feeling. And the crazy part about it is I was out there standing on the field. It was getting close to the time. Like, man, nobody's showing up, nobody's showing up. Okay, let me go to the restroom. Went to the restroom, came back out. Parking lot was just full of cars. Like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> like, oh, my God. What was that? Was it exciting or was it nerve-wracking? It was both. You know? <laughs> it was both. I was excited and they were like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Like, where these cars come from? Oh, my God. You know, it was, it was awesome. It, really was, it was. It was awesome. I'm speaking with Andrew Morris. He is the executive director and CEO of Raising the Bridge. You can find them online at raisingthebridge.org or give them a call at 972 866 Four two six one. All right, so you've had a successful football camp. You're feeling really good about this. Mm-hmm. Where does raising the bridge start fitting into your life? How does this start? Uh, when I did my when I did the football camp, just talking to the boys and noticing the boys need more. That that Saturday every month wasn't a good was wasn't good enough. Then I started thinking about me and thinking about my life. Like, man, I needed someone to be be in my life like every single day. I needed someone to support me. I need somebody to be. Uh, consistent in my life. I need someone to like be be out there for me and guide me along the way. I said, okay, Andrew. So I thought about my son going to the youth center. Like, okay, huh? Going to the youth center. He loved the youth center. He loved playing basketball. Then I thought I, I thought about my, my my situation about living in the shelter. They have these life skill programs. They have parenting class. They have budget classes. They have uh, financial classes. They have all these programs. Like, huh? So I thought about, like, hey, what if I put both of these together and get the, the kids recreational and the fun part about it and also teach them life skills? Like, then I put the, like, okay, then we have raising a bridge, you know? So I, I took it to my caseworker, like, okay, I know what I want to do. I want to work with kids. I want a youth center. And so by living in that shelter helped me out with providing life skills for our kids, you know, and also taking my son to the youth center. It's like, okay, it can be fun, and I can put life skills with that and still be fun. They still can learn. And also they have this family and can jail and they can get everything they need. When you start, especially at the football camp, when you saw the kids that were coming in, could you tell who needed that extra bit of time and attention? Oh, and love yeah. Because you have been through that yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's very obvious, especially when you see a lot of women just standing around and no fathers, mm. you know. And so they like really hit home, you know, like these these boys need 
fathers. They need male role models. Do you think that those kids and the kids that you're working with today, do they feel that from you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Because a lot of times it's already tough, no matter your age, to receive help. But especially the kind of kids that you're working with on the website, I saw that it's mostly 12 to 18-year-olds. Right. At that age, who knows how you're acting. Right, right. And it could be tough to accept help. Especially if somebody, if you if you feel that they're fake in any right. way, if oh, they're not yeah. real, yeah. So, are you noticing that that is a currency that you have and you can spend it with these kids? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because matter of fact, a good example. Uh, last Saturday, uh, no Friday, I took a, one of my young men out. He was having problems at home. You know, his mom's crying and she was upset. Like my son is not getting together. You know, he's lying and saying things he shouldn't say you know and a lot of times people don't understand these kids i work with kids 12 to 18 and they think they really hard but once you get past that that shell they're not hard they're like little babies you know and so i developed a relationship with this kid like as soon as i met the guy and picked him up like he started telling me all this stuff because i developed this relationship all the time and he's like acting like he's a five-year-old guess what i did i did this i did that i did this i'm like really you know like you know so that one-on-one attention like it's awesome but it's that shell they're in, and it, it benefits big time with developing these relationships with these kids. Let's talk about Mesquite. This organization, Raising the Raising the Bridge, mm-hmm. is looking to help kids in Mesquite. Yes. Are you from Mesquite? Why Mesquite? Right. I'm I'm from Dallas. Um, I asked myself the same question: Why Mesquite? I can't. Me and my wife moved to Mesquite when I was two, in 2012. Okay. And at the time, I was still doing football. Uh, I wasn't doing the camps. Um, I moved to be closer to my son. Um, I did like a, I, I, I was still training him in football, and so I was training my son in football. One day, he said, come on, my friend want to come. I said, okay, bring your friend. So I started training him. Dad, 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 I got some more friends want to come. Okay, okay, bring them. Okay, dad, guess what? I got some more friends want to come. I mean, it's kept growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Like, oh, my God, let me open this to the public. You know, let me open to the public. And like, okay, okay, boom, this is a place Raising the Bridge is going to be at because I spent so much time with those boys over the summer, like every single day, developing a relationship with them. And they tell me about everything that was going on in these schools, crazy things. You know, I know things happened when we was growing up, but still these things going, still going on. And they, they growing, getting larger, these problems getting larger in the schools. So these kids tell them about house parties. They tell them about the things that goes on house parties. They tell them about things that goes on at school. They tell them about the drugs. They tell them about every single thing. It's like, oh, my God, I got to do something. There's one thing they told me about this teen club keeps going to, you know, Bad stuff going on, drugs and things like that. I said, okay, Andrew, what are you going to do with this? You know, okay, this is this the place you decided to do Raising Bridge at. Do something about it. I said, okay. So I created a program called The Bridge. It was a team spot where our young people come to just hang out and listen to Christian hip-hop rap. A positive place for them to come out to hang out with. So I was trying to eliminate what they, what they was going to, the things they were going to at nighttime, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to keep them off the streets and keep them in a the safe place, you know. And so I'm like, okay. And I just fell in love with the kids. So I, after that, spending time with the kids and developing the football program and I started doing a teen night, I, I really decided to even just stay there even more. I just fell in love with the kids. So you knew that Mesquite was going to be your place. It was really just about the personal interactions you had with the kids Right, there. right, right, right. When We talked about this a little bit off mic. When people think of Mesquite, I'm thinking suburbs. Right, I'm not exactly. really thinking about the kind of problems that, that you're talking about or dealing with. Exactly. Do people understand what's really going on in Mesquite? No, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't at all. When, when people, when, first of all, when you, think of, when you think about mentoring or think about youth or at-risk youth, Mesquite probably the last place you even think about. You I think wouldn't about, think of it. Right. You think about Dallas or West Dallas, South Dallas, or wherever. But, I mean, my thing is this. You have young people everywhere, and all young people need help. 
but Mesquite need help too. You know, they even need probably more help. A lot of people don't know we have almost a thousand kids that's homeless. You know, we have two young ladies that have kids and they're homeless. I know two, two number two is a small number, but still, it's still a, a big number for two girls to be homeless with their with their children. It's yeah. ridiculous. You know, then we have seventy five percent of our kids on reduced lunch or free lunch. You know, but we have almost forty thousand kids. No, we have over forty thousand kids in our school district, but we fifty six percent of those are at risk, you know, and the hunger issue is like very, very bad in Mesquite. Very, very bad. Very, very bad. Even teachers and coaches have to store peanut butter and jelly in their classrooms and the locker rooms for the kids to eat. You know, the thing about it is like if the kids hungry and starving. How can they concentrate on schoolwork? You know, if we have 56% of average kids, how can they uh, focus on schoolwork? How can they focus on being a kid, especially with the mom? Had to wake work late, take her to the house, and the father's not there. Or um, an instance where we have we had a job ready job readiness program, and our, one of the girls had to take care of siblings. She had like well, four or five siblings, and she had to take care of the mom was working. You know, so these kids not having a, a, a life, a life uh, being youthful. You know, they have to worry about uh, surviving. You know, have to worry about taking care of family and trying to figure out how they're going to eat or, or have a place to stay. And a lot of people understand that just because it's mesquite does not mean that everything's okay. We, um, mesquite struggle too. Andrew Morris is the executive director and CEO of Raising the Bridge. Let's start talking about the programs and services that you are offering mm-hmm. uh, with Raising the Bridge. Okay. What do you do for these kids? What are an example of some of the programs and things that you're offering? Oh, what we do, what we don't do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we, do, we I mean, we really pride ourselves of creating programs to fit the youth. Um, we try, I mentioned before, we tried a teen night with the, uh, Christian hop music. Uh, they didn't work because Mesquite is not a music city for young people. Mm. Um, but try to support the sports work. So we have a sports program in the summer and I realized talking to the kids one-on-one and doing my sports program, they need mentoring and the mentoring program really works. We have a young man mentoring uh, program. We also have a young lady mentoring program. And so in those programs, we teach the kids how to fix a flat, uh, change brakes, uh, how to tie a tie, to skin care to the girls, teach them how to uh, independent cooking class, uh, home repair class for the boys, uh, even think about uh, teaching the girls how to sew, you know, certain things like mm-hmm. that. So we kind of limit on the things we can do uh, the, because, because of the space. We have a sp- we uh, partner with different churches so we can allow they, so they can, we can use their space. And so we kind of limited uh, what we can do. And that's why, that's why it's so important to have a youth center so we can be, reach the kids Monday through Saturday. But we have some great, great programs. Uh, last year, we partnered with the City of Mesquite to do their first job readiness program. Uh, that was very, uh, that was a, a success, really, really good. Uh, right now, we're in the process of uh, partnering with Mesquite ISD to have their uh, incoming freshman celebration with them for the incoming freshman, uh, getting them ready for their next chapter in life. So I'll be bringing in some um, some motivation speakers and some entertainment. Kind of, it's gonna be kind of like like a uh, a huge pep rally, trying to get the kids motivated and ready for the next chapter in life. So we have some really good programs. I'm really excited about our programs, but I know we can it can be so much better. I like the idea of just providing sustainable life skills. That's what it says yeah. on the website. Like you're saying, change the oil on your car, mm-hmm. learn how to tie a tie. Mm-hmm. Learn how to shake somebody's hand. Right, right. A lot of times, these are things that people take for granted. Yeah. And not everybody has that opportunity to learn these things. Yeah. What you're doing is you're trying to build right. a functioning adult. Right, I exactly. I think that that's really a good way to look at it. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And 
and the, uh, this programs are very special because we use those life skills, sustainable life skills, to mentor our kids to build those relationships. So while we're teaching these kids these these skills, we build these relationships. Now we can reach out to them and talk to them like, okay, don't do that, don't do this. So like we kind of like an outside parent. You know, we have mentors and volunteers all the time. So we like kind of like outside parent, don't do that. Or the mother call us at nighttime or call us when something's going on. Or father call us or people send us emails through our email. They send me a text message or they send me a, 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 a IM on Facebook. I mean, all kind of things because we establish a relationship. But the life skills, it's a it's a plus. But we use that as a tool to really get down to the root. Because we really, we really believe in getting to the root to the issues. Because if you don't get to the real issues, it's going to keep going on and on and on and on. And we want to stop the cycle. You and your wife have become the person that you didn't have in your life that you needed. Right. Did you expect to become that when you started raising the bridges? Was that the goal that you really had in mind, that you wanted to be that rock for people that didn't have one? Not really, not really. Uh, when, I, when I first started, I just started. Uh, I didn't know about a 501c3, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you can get money for that. Like, what's that, 501c3? You can, sure. You can, get, you can get funding. Like, what? what is that? I didn't care, you know, because I just wanted to help the kids, but I didn't think it would be like, be that rock, you know, uh, for kids, you know, to depend on. I just wanted to provide them a better life that I didn't have. I didn't have that life. When did you start realizing that that was that that was happening? I think a great example of that is getting those late night calls. Yes, yes, yes. I think yes, that yes, any time yes. that I've talked to people that help out kids, you know that they're doing a really good job when the kids maybe in trouble and it's late at night, or mm-hmm. they're about to get in trouble and right. they make that late night phone call, and you're the one person they decided to call. I've noticed that. Uh, growing up, and I and I see it with a lot of the groups that I talk to. Mm-hmm. When did that start happening, and, and did you really feel that you were that person, or did it sneak up on you? It snuck up on us. It really did. I think uh, first call was maybe in 2016 when kids were even in our program. Uh, Andrew, please help me. Please help my child have this young boy. He's getting out of line. I can't control him no more. Please help me. And these people, not even these kids, not even in our program, but they just heard about the things we was doing, you know. And um, a lot of times people try to look at the success off of numbers, you know, like, okay, it's fun. It's okay. Have a number. That's great. That's fine. But when you get those calls and those text messages and those emails, that's why I judge it off of, you know, but we need to know numbers, but no, it's the phone calls, the text messages, emails from the parents. Cause the parents actually knows if the kids getting better, you know, whenever I'm setting up interviews with people, a lot of times people will set out pieces of paper with mm-hmm. numbers and stats and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's fine, but that's not what, makes a successful organization right it's these conversations and these talks and the examples that you're providing me that's how i know that this is a successful organization right. and that you are making an impact on these kids it might not be four thousand kids at once right 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 but you're trying to make meaningful impact on the one and that might translate right to others exactly that's that's the whole point right there that's the whole point that's what we want to do we want to break the cycle if we teach if we uh put out functional, productive uh, leaders in our community, young adults, and they can go back and pour back into the community and teach their kids to be better. You know, it can, it's a chain reaction. It just go down generation to generation. So we got to think about this. Our kids are our future. Our youth are our future. You know, if we invest in our young people now, they can invest in someone else. So we, we want to start a new cycle instead of that same old cycle that, that the kids is going through. Lack of food, lack of shelter, lack of father being there, lack of support. That's the things we want to break. You know, I thought about bringing some sheets, you know, uh, some things to lay out. And I'm like, okay, let me let me read this or let me go over these numbers. But I'm not, that's not me because I'm all about reaching, really reaching the young people. And it's all about what the parents say. And the, when you communicate, 
communicate with these kids and when they talk to you like they want to tell you about their day you know they so happy to see you it's like huh you don't have like this at the, at the session it's like i got you all by myself you know <laughs> and sometimes like we have group sessions you know when you get to be these kids by themselves they're like they really express themselves they really want to like look look dad whatever you know but it's it's very exciting it's very awesome I mean, it really is my thing is like i said before it's not about those numbers that that cope america want to see it's about the parents you know, it's about the parents with those calls at nighttime, the text messages or emails or Facebook times or whatever. You are making a big jump. You've How long has this organization been going on? I didn't even ask. Uh, I've been in Mesquite since 2012. Okay. But I started in 2016. All right. But I, I, I really started up in 2008 at the homeless shelter. Gotcha. But on my, um, officially, 2016, I went 501. So you've been making jumps right. at different times right. building this up you're in the process of a huge jump right you're looking for five million dollars for a youth center that's yes, going to be located in mesquite when yes. did you want to start this youth center how long have you been working towards this goal uh that was my first goal when i started when, when my caseworker asked me what do you want want to do i said youth center that's why i want a youth center that's my first thing when i moved to mesquite i was looking for a building looking for warehouses but mesquite don't have Mesquite's not in Dallas. You know, they don't have, like, warehouses standing up with vacant. <laughs> right. I wish they did, but they don't, you know. Sure. Uh, they have a lot of land, you know. So I reached out to the city mayor, city manager. Okay, I want to do this. I want a youth center. Bring, I hope you guys support it. You know, of course, I was new. They were like, okay, sure, whatever, you know. But years later, like, hey, Andrew, how you doing? We got something for you. You know, we got something. Can you help us out with this program? Can you help us out with this? Because we know that you're the only organization that, that come came across us that's actually helping our young people. Like when they, when the city of Mesquite have uh, certain events to with dealing with young people, dealing with teenagers, they don't, they don't have they don't get a good turnout. But when we do it, we get a huge turnout, and they like that. And so now they're willing to help us in any kind of way. They gave us land for the youth center. They gave us five acres for the youth center. And before that, they gave us uh, about two acres to to build a community garden. So right now we're in the process of a year and a half with a community garden that the uh, land that the city provided for us. It's got to be exciting to see this actually happening. I it didn't know is. you really. I didn't know you had a, a plot of land set aside. Yeah. So this isn't something where you're hoping that maybe one right. day you're locked in. You know what's in. going on, right. and, and this is happening. Right. I know where the land is at, 1717 McKenzie Road. I know where it's <laughs> at. I go out. There, I used to go up there all the time. You know. Uh, right now I'm just focusing on putting something on it. Uh, but yeah, we have the land already. That's no, you know, just. How close are you? Let's say to your goal. Are you? Are we very much in the process of still raising these funds? We're still raising the fund. We just started. It was, okay. We just started last last month. Um, right. I was just trying to get things in lined up before I even put it out there in the, to the community. Sure. After I signed paperwork with the city, you know, so we signed the paperwork in January. Now we just started up our fundraiser. Uh, we have different things going out there, and I mean, we're pretty much. On the road now. So this journey is really just starting. Yes, it is. Have you gone through the process of fundraising like this before? No, not at all. Not is, at all. This is totally different. This is out of my league. This is uh, this is very challenging. I have I stay up late <laughs> at night trying to figure out like will this work? What else can I do? You know, uh, I hope the community supports it. Well, you got the community behind you and you got the city behind you. Right, right, right. I mean, that's where you need to start, right? right so you, right. at least you have that in your back pocket. I, I this is exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. It is exciting and stressful. <laughs> Very stressful. <laughs> exciting and stressful. Yes, you got a lot of stuff coming up on the yeah. calendar. You know, from where you started mm -hmm. to where you are today. Did you have any idea that this is where you were gonna be? Nope, not at all. Not at all. I had this dream, this vision of seeing a building. I, I seen a youth center. I seen the building. I seen kids in it. 
but I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't have the details. But even to this day, I still see that same building. I see my grand opening. But the details, I don't know the details, you know. And so right now I'm doing the best I can, you know. So trying to, I know it's going to happen, but I don't know when, you know. But I, I see the building, but I just don't have the details. Till then the kids are taken care of. Right, yeah. All right, you've got a couple events coming up. you got a silent auction on May 4th. Uh, that's at the Evans Rec Center. It starts at 11 a.m. You right. also have a benefit concert happening May 17th. That kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Right. at New Community Church, and that is not all that is on the calendar. You've got a lot more going on. You right. can find details at raisingthebridge.org. It was great speaking with you. I'm really excited about this organization yes, and what you're doing in Mesquite. I wish you, you the best of luck. Once again, that website, raisingthebridge.org, or give them a call at 972 866 4261. My guest is Andrew Morris. He's the executive director and CEO of Raising the Bridge. Best of luck and please come back. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.